Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip. Live from Turin. This is the Eurotrip. So here we are then. This is the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast, and we are live from Turin for the seventh and final time this week as we gear you up for, get this, tonight's grand final of the Eurovision Song Contest of 2022. After days and weeks and months of building up to it, we finally reached the big moment we all look forward to. It's here, the Eurovision Grand Final of 2022. I'm not sure we've done the introductions yet, have we? I'm Rob, he's James, he's in the UK, and I'm still in Margarita's kitchen here in Turin. (laughs) But despite saying that, we have still got loads of great coverage to bring you over the course of the next hour or so as we prepare you for the final of the world's biggest music competition. Yeah, what are you doing? What are your plans for the grand final? Do let us know. Get in touch at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Send us an email if you want. Hello at EuroTripPodcast.com. But yeah, super exciting. My plans have changed very, very recently, which I will update you on very shortly. But rest assured, I am incredibly excited, James, as I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, let me tell you about what we've got coming up on today's episode. We'll be chatting to... Dr. Eurovision himself, Paul Jordan, about the UK and Ukraine and about their chances of winning the Eurovision Song Contest tonight. Ben Robertson will be here, Eurovision betting expert. He'll tell us which are the big tips for tonight. And also, we'll hear from everybody's favourite Swede, Toby Eck from Afton Blardek, talking about Cornelia's chances. And we have a mega Eurovision superfan panel as well, joined by Zoe London. You know Zoe London, superstar DJ, huge fan of the Eurovision Song Contest. And Scott Bryan as well, TV critic. He loves Eurovision, so it's great to get both of their thoughts on everything that could happen tonight. So we've got all that and more to come on today's final episode of the Eurotrip, live from Turin. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast.
The grand final of Eurovision 2022 is finally here. What a road it's been to get here. All the way back in March when we were in Stockholm for Melody Festival and before that when we were chatting to some of the acts, we chatted to We Are Domi from the Czech Republic who are opening tonight's show for the first time on the 12th of January. Why do I remember that? Because it's my birthday. So, <laughs> so if you look back at how far we've come to get to today, what a roller coaster it has been. Hasn't it just? And also, it just feels like two minutes ago since we were doing the grand final preview episode for 2021. How has a year passed in all that time? It genuinely feels like two minutes ago. And what a Eurovision season we've had. It kicked off back in September, September the 1st, of course, as the artists start to trickle in. And then Eurovision National Final season kicked off in January for good, and then that disappeared in the blink of an eye. And we're finally here with 40 artists ready for Eurovision Week, all whittled down to the 25 competing in tonight's final. And you've been with us the whole way, or some of you, or most of you at least, have been with us for the whole journey from, like James said, back in September. Maybe you've been listening for longer than that, but thank you so much for tuning into our Eurovision coverage this year. And also, hello, if you're a newbie, if you've tuned in for Eurovision Week this week, welcome along. And you've got lots to look forward to because we'll be back for Eurovision 2023. We'll be doing all that again. Oh, God, you're getting ahead of yourself there, aren't you? 2023. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we focus on 2022 and just give a bit more background to people who have been listening throughout the week and following our trials and tribulations in the Italian host city this year. Uh, many of you will know, and we we know so many of you know this, because loads have been getting in touch with your messages and sympathies about our disastrous week we've, we've had. But thankfully, things are on the up, Mr. Rob Lilly. They certainly are. So, James, you're, of course, already back in the UK. You're back safely after everything that happened. I had COVID and didn't have a passport. Well... Since we last spoke, everybody, I now have an emergency passport. And as of very recently, as in less than an hour ago, I am negative for COVID. So I'm going home. Woohoo! Honestly, that is the best news I've heard all week. It'll change in a few hours time when I watch the grand final. We get some fantastic results. But until now, that's the best news I've heard all week. Oh, I'm very, 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 very excited to be heading back home to watch the grand final from the comfort of my own living room, which is a place that I didn't think I'd see not that long ago. (laughs) So thank you to each and every one of you who's followed our coverage throughout the week and stayed with us despite our plans changing very, very dramatically. But we've done our best uh, to bring you all the best coverage we possibly can despite everything happening. And here we are with our big grand final preview with a whole host of guests to warm you up for tonight's grand final. And shall we kick off with guest number one, Dr. Eurovision himself, Mr. Paul Jordan. Yeah, does anybody know Eurovision quite as well as Paul Jordan? He's the obvious choice, isn't he, to get on as the first guest on any grand final preview because there's nothing about Eurovision that's worth knowing that he doesn't know. I think that made sense. Yeah, I I get what you're trying to say. And I thought he would be the perfect man to chat to again. Rob, Spoke to him a little earlier in the week in the aftermath of the first semi-final and he gave us such a great insight we thought we'd better get him on again. So that's exactly what we've done. I spoke to him a little bit earlier on and we focused mainly on Ukraine and the United Kingdom's chances in tonight's grand final. So let's hear what happened when I caught up with Paul Jordan a little bit earlier on. 
So here he is, he is back again, Dr. Eurovision himself, Paul Jordan. He joined us earlier on in the week and he's back now. First of all, Paul, how was your, was it a Eurovision party you had on Thursday night for Semi 2? I did. I had a Eurovision party with a couple of friends that came over and my mum was here as well because she was looking after the dog today whilst I was at work. Um, so yeah, it was nice. It was a nice evening. Uh, the wine was flowing and uh, yeah, all in all, a nice evening. I was a bit disappointed with some of the results, but you know, you can't predict it sometimes. Exactly. And you're not a Eurovision fan if you're not disappointed in some way with the results. We're never going to get it 10 out of 10, are we? <laughs> no, I don't think I ever had it. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, I really want to talk to you about two of the countries competing in tonight's grand final. Uh, Ukraine and the United Kingdom. It's your choice. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's go for the UK. OK, so for the UK, of course. So many of our listeners are based in the UK. They are UK Eurovision fans. And for a lot of them have spent the last maybe up to 25 years since Katrina's win, struggling every single year to try and get behind the UK's entry and try and struggle through the results more often than not. This year, though, it's a whole different ballgame for Sam Ryder. I think so. I think that's fair. And I think for years I've been saying, you know, you need the three things. You need the staging, the song, an actual uh, singer to be able to perform on the night. And I think we've got that. I think we've got three out of three. Normally the UK has one or two out of three. It's so near yet so far and I think the UK have really I think learned from the past few years and I always try I do defend the BBC quite a lot because I do know it's a small team and they try their best it's not necessarily the entire team's fault is things going on above them as well and as you said in your documentary people still watch it regardless of how well the UK does so there's not that incentive but I do think it is quite tiring defending the contest and the constant jives about it being political Politics does come into it, and I know we're going to talk about Ukraine soon. But, you know, also, I don't think we figure that much in people's minds. I really don't think that people in Moldova are sitting looking at UK and thinking they're desperate to vote, but they don't like Johnson, or they're not sure about the Northern Ireland Protocol. I mean, I think we have a slightly inflated sense of our own self-importance. Very well said. Yeah, you mentioned the the documentary as well there. I released that documentary uh, last week, last Friday, and Paul was one of the brilliant contributors. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you go and do so. It's on this very podcast feed. Uh, But Paul, do you think UK fans have to tread carefully between now and when the results come in? Because looking at the odds, the UK are one of the favourites, second favourite with a lot of the bookmakers. But even if we don't get that second place or arguably even higher... We still have to respect the result that the United Kingdom scores, whether it's top five or top ten, because that is a vast improvement on what's come over the last decade or so. I think the UK fans, it's great that they're enthusiastic. You know, I'm one of them. Uh, But I think certainly they can sometimes over-egg the pudding. And I remember in 2014, you know, the lovely Molly, she was a nice girl. But, you know, there was no way that was going to win. And by the Friday night, all the UK fans were running around Copenhagen thinking they had it in the bag. And, you know, it's that kind of excitement that gets whipped up. And it's lovely. But at the same time, I do think a sense of perspective is needed. I think if we, you know, have let's have realistic expectations, considering how badly we've done. Let's A, be proud that we've got a good song. And there's a singer who seems to really get it. He's got a really good attitude. And I think he's a terrific guy i think he's uh, just what we need for um for eurovision i think let's let's uh let's manage our expectations let's say top 10 or left-hand side that would be a massive improvement you know if we get to the top 10 that'll be the first time in gosh what 13 years so let's think about that if it's top five brilliant uh, you sort of touched on another one of the favourites to win tonight. Of course, it's Ukraine have sent 
Kalish Orchestra with their song Stephania. And there's there's no escaping the background to to the world at the moment of why it's so significant that Ukraine are actually going to be there tonight. There's so much going on back in their homeland that has been dominating the news for the past few months. And I think it's safe to say that a lot of the viewing public may well donate some of their vote their way, not out of sympathy, but out of showing solidarity and support to the Ukrainian people. I think so. And that's where, you know, I think the line between politics and humanitarianism is slightly blurred. I think if Ukraine wins, I don't think it will necessarily be a political point. I think it will be about solidarity and, you know, showing a bit of humanity. Quite frankly, you know, it's the least Europe could do, uh, given, you know, the fact that they've literally let Ukraine kind of go by the wayside. And I know it's more complicated than that, but I do think it's quite shocking that we have a sovereign country in Europe, in the heart of Europe, actually, in, you know, effectively invaded by an aggressor. And we've done not a lot to, to stop that happening. Um, I think certainly Ukraine always know how to do Eurovision. They always know how to stage their songs. They have a big groundswell of support. And, you know, when the song was chosen, I actually put a bet on. And I got them a 12 to 1. Now, this is before the wars. So, of course, if they win, I'm going to obviously donate that because it feels like dirty money. Um, but I think it's going to be tricky because does it deserve to win on merit? As a song, I'm not sure. But is it a powerful message? And, you know, is it a sense of, you know, u- unity and solidarity? Absolutely. Would it upset Putin? Absolutely. Is that a good thing? I think so. <laughs> But it's also safe to say as well, you know, you mentioned about what Ukraine's history at the Eurovision Song Contest has been like. You know, they are a powerhouse at this contest. You know, they've got a 100% qualification record from the semi-finals. They've won twice. I think it was the second time they'd ever ended. They won for the first time. These guys know what they're doing. And like you said, before before the war had begun, Kalish Orchestra were already one of the favourites because it's a good quality song. Yeah, and it's well performed and it's authentic and it sounds like, you know, nothing in the contest is unique. And yeah, Ukraine is actually the only country left in the competition that has a 100% qualification record. And they do take it seriously. You know, Ukraine joined Eurovision in 2003 and it was the idea of a PR company that actually approached the government and then the broadcaster. And it was to try and improve Ukraine's image. They looked at other countries, they looked at the way in which, you know, Eurovision was a really powerful tool and a platform. And they thought, I'll have some of that. And they've used it really to maximum effect. And, um, you know, I wish wish them all the best and I think if it brings a smile to people's faces um, across Ukraine and you know of course refugees across Europe then I think that's a good thing and yes there are probably more worthy winners but you know what it's still subjective and it's down to the people at the end of the day and of course the juries and that's where it'll be interesting to see that divide. Yeah I, I think so I think many people will agree with that but Who knows, as you say, it could still be wide open. We've touched on two of the big favourites there. It would be remiss of me not to ask for your big and bold predictions for the grand final tonight. Who is your money on? Where do you think it is going to go? I'm useless at predicting the winner. I get it wrong most years. I think the problem is I listen to the songs too many times. I think in terms of the public vote, Ukraine is a foregone conclusion, but the jury is literally still out. So who knows? I think... It depends on how the juries vote. If they get an average vote from the jury and a strong vote from the public, then it's Ukraine's to lose. But it doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not predictable. And I think if a country comes second with a strong vote in the public and wins the jury, then, of course, they could win the entire thing. So I think it's a two-way race between Ukraine and Sweden. Paul, remind us of your plans for tonight. So I'm going to be watching in the local cinema 
bit of a buffet, champagne reception, dressing up. I can't wait. I'm going to get the glittery jacket on and uh, have a good time. I can't wait. Oh, what a way to celebrate Eurovision 2022. Paul, Jordan, Dr. Eurovision, thanks again for joining us for a chat. Thank you and happy Eurovision. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. And there he goes, Dr. Eurovision himself. Looking forward to getting his thoughts on social media, I'm sure, as the final progresses this evening and find out what he has to say about everything that happens tonight in the days that follow as well. Because that's the other thing, isn't it? Like how quickly things change. I know I mentioned Eurovision 2023 earlier and you said, whoa, whoa, hold your horses. That's a bit soon. (laughs) But in less than 48 hours time, less than 24 hours time, all the attention will turn to where are we going to host Eurovision 2023? Who's going to participate? Which artists might be going? Like it is crazy how quickly the Eurovision world changes. Yeah, tomorrow morning, your Twitter account, your Twitter feed is going to be awash with screenshots of people searching this exact phrase, indoor arenas in dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll both be two of them as well. That's the other thing. Like, you know that we'll be part of that uh, that search as well. But yeah, anyway, shall we get back to focusing on tonight? Because that is the matter at hand. Super exciting. Honestly, there's been such a buzz in Turin this week it's been really nice to sample some of it when i can when i haven't been in isolation but when i've been out and about it's been really great to sample the bars of the city and james i know you did that as well when you were over here the italians very very excited for tonight i know we've already mentioned italy this week with christina giantini the president of ogae italy and i think we know where she'll be hoping the eurovision crown goes this evening Yeah, and so many of you, I'm sure, have got your allegiances and your hopes pinned on certain countries. And maybe, just maybe, you'll see a bit of a surprise in the grand final tonight. Although I can tell you one man who will not be expecting any surprises at all, that is Ben Robertson. He's from ESC Insight and also does some great stuff over on the Bet Eurovision podcast. He is the man to go to if you want some tips for the grand final tonight. Yeah, me and you have both been to him at various points in time, haven't we? Whether it's Melody Festival, because of course Ben lives in Stockholm, or other Eurovision events, and we've gone, Ben, who do you think is going to win? And more often than not, that man knows. Yeah, and he also seems to know when a certain country or a certain artist is going to be another one that you never think about. And yet he plants the seed and you think, really? And then you just watch and it just magically happens. So that's why we had to speak to him to try and find out what tips he's got for us watching at home tonight about the grand final of Eurovision 2022. So let's find out what he had to say when I caught up with him a little bit earlier today. So here he is then, the man I'm sure many of you want to hear from for a little bit of insider knowledge on what might happen in tonight's grand final. It's Ben Robertson, how are you doing? Oh, I have no idea what's going to happen, I'm afraid. He put the wrong person on. Oh, well, we're going to have to try anyway. You might have to bluff your way through it. But uh, let's see what happens, because you are, of course, the man. We've just introduced you from Eurovision Inside. You do stuff for Bet Eurovision. So hopefully you can try at least anyway. And I think the best place to start is the running order. It came out in the early hours after the second semi-final. And a lot of the time, that is often when the markets for Eurovision start to shift a little bit as people try and figure out exactly how it's going to go. How did the markets react this year when the running order came out? 
there was very little drama in the running gun announcement from a betting standpoint. And um, there's not been much significant movement directly based on that. Um, all of the big favourites, you know, if we talk about Ukraine, UK, Sweden, Italy, Spain, even put Poland in there. They've all been put second half of their like respective halves of the running order. So nobody has like from a competitive point of view been shafted in any way. But also you've got this idea of comparison, which I think is really important. And I've seen a lot of comments out there saying the UK has been given a really tough running order because it's surrounded by Australia and Poland, which are two very strong male vocals. And you've got Sam Redman there, he's got, you know, a stunning vocal as well. Like, why are you putting them all together? Isn't that bad for all of them? As a production point of view of do you want diverse programming, perhaps it's not great television. But competitively, if Sam Ryder's going to do well, he's going to be taking, you know, taking away votes almost from Australia and from Poland. People, when they especially people don't know the songs, they judge songs comparatively. So if Sam Ryder appears competitively better than Ackman and then Sheldon, the UK is second in the odds for a very legitimate reason, then actually being in the middle of those two may actually be the right place in that sense. What about this year's host country? Uh, of course, we know it's Italy, it's Mahmoud and Blanco with Brevity. We've known for a while that they're going to be performing in ninth place and they're going to come or at least straight after them, is Spain, Chanel, with slow-mo. You mentioned before about how a lot of viewers, new viewers, casual viewers, will look at the songs comparatively. What do you think that does to Italy's chances with uh, with Chanel coming straight after them? It's a fascinating little mix there, actually. I'm a bit unsure about how that's going to play. I mean, I think you have to include, like, let's include this entire run of four songs here. You've got Italy to Spain to Netherlands, which I see is picking up a lot of streaming data over the last couple of days. And then into Ukraine as well. Italy's selling point is a song. And it's going to be the interaction between Mahmoud and Blanco once again. And they haven't done this in rehearsals. That's why Italy has drifted out. Because song-wise, I think that, you know, the as a general rule, the community out there respects that Brividi is a world-class song and is a mega-hit song. But the way it gets votes is if the interaction between the artists is endearing and you want to vote for them. It's, it's, a, it's a very unscientific approach to it. It's that likability. It's that I want you to do wellness, which is, which is, of course, the reason why we see Ukraine at the top of the odds and shortening all the time. Can we quickly touch on Ukraine then? Of course, they have been for a very long time contest winner favourites for tonight. Uh, and for good reason, I presume, Ben. Somewhat, yes. I mean, the price on Ukraine right now, which you're looking in the 1.2 to 1.3 range, is shorter, I think, than anything we've ever had in the modern Eurovision Song Contest. Okay, Lazarev would have been trading about 1.5, 1.6 the day of the Stockholm final. Um, so these are absurdly short odds right now. Would I recommend backing Ukraine at those odds? Absolutely not. At the moment, in the betting markets for the jury vote, Ukraine is second. I think that is too short. I'm expecting Ukraine to be about four-fifths with juries, to be honest. I would say, you know, if anything from UK, Sweden, Italy and Spain is 150 points clear, then I think it could be game on. So maybe it's not as clear-cut as you already think it is. Maybe you're listening thinking, Ukraine have got it wrapped up. Maybe they don't just yet. You'll just have to wait and see. So Ben, if we then look at something that might be for worth a bit more value or some of your other tips for tonight's show... 
what are you recommending? What should people be keeping an eye out for? It depends on your bookmaker here. So you have to be a bit careful in how you look at this because they have different terms. And now Ukraine is so short, some of those terms are very different. But this year, the, the, the betting mantra for advice right now is to bet each way. But the expectation is not for Ukraine to landslide. We're not expecting to win the jury, win the televote, 700 points game over. We're not expecting that. We're expecting about 550 points to win this year's Eurovision Song Contest. So bet each way. And I and I haven't checked it today, but certainly yesterday, Bet 365 is not sponsored or anything. By the way. <laughs> they, they, they were still offering a quarter of the odds top four. The expectation right now is, you know, at least two, probably three of UK, Sweden, Italy, Spain is going to be in the top four of the Eurovision Song Contest. And if you can pick the right ones of that, then you're going to be into value. If you fancy something like, you know, if, you, if I look right now, let's say the Netherlands, you know, Netherlands are 80 in the odds right now, 80 to 1. So if you take a quarter of those odds and they end up in the top four, you're in very good profit. So there you go. We promised at the start Ben would come with some advice and he's, despite him being a little bit reluctant at the beginning on it, on his knowledge, he's definitely delivered. So, so there you go. And of course, if you are going to go and have a bit of a bet, make sure you do so within your means and responsibly. Uh, ben, Thank you so much for taking some time out of your, I imagine, very hectic and busy week to come and chat to us again here on the Eurotrip. And uh, whatever you're going to do, enjoy the show tonight. Thank you very much. Enjoy the show yourself, listeners. Here we go. This is, this is the Eurotrip. Eurotrip. This is the Eurotrip. You're listening to our grand final preview for Eurovision 2022. What are you doing while you're listening? Are you putting the bunting up? Are you driving to the supermarket to get your supplies in for later on? Are you walking to the shops, maybe? Are you trying to find the last box of face paint in the local Poundland so that you can <laughs> pop some flag paintings on your face? What are you doing? Let us know at Eurotrippodcast.com on Twitter and Instagram. James, thank you so much for being an absolute hero and doing all these interviews, by the way. So far, we've heard you chat to Dr. Eurovision, Paul Jordan. We've heard you chat to Ben Robertson. And very shortly, we will hear a lovely roundtable discussion you had with Zoe London and, of course, Scott Bryan. But where is Rob? I hear you cry. Yeah, exactly. Although maybe, I'm not sure about this. This isn't me saying it. I'm just sort of planting the seed. Maybe some people are sick of hearing from you because you did two episodes solo earlier in the week. So maybe it makes sense we're balancing it out now. But you had good reason not to do any of these chats, didn't you? Yeah, quite frankly, it's about time you pulled your own weight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, when uh, when you were having these chats, it happened to coincide with when I managed to find the only slot at the local Torino pharmacy. So I went down there, I filled in a very long piece of paper form that was all in Italian. A lovely man had to come out and explain what everything meant to me. His English was quite patchy, but it wasn't as patchy as my Italian. So he was very, very helpful. And then I sat in a little tent by the side of the road. Then I got to swab up my nose. And then after a small wait, I have never been so pleased to hear the word negativo. <laughs> Which is fantastic. As I said before, the best news I've heard all week. So that is the reason Rob isn't as present on today's episode as he may usually be, but I'm sure you understand why now. So shall we get to our big part of the episode where we try and preview as much as we possibly can for tonight's show with two esteemed guests? You've heard their names already. It's Zoe London. Uh, she's a British DJ and all-round Eurovision superfan and Scott Bryan, a TV critic 
And I'm certain you'll have seen him on your Twitter account because he's a prolific tweeter, isn't he? He is. I didn't realise until yesterday that I don't follow him. And the only reason <laughs> I, the only reason I didn't follow him is because I see his tweets so often, I just assumed I already followed him. <laughs> yeah, he's a great addition to your Twitter timeline. If you don't follow him already, make sure you go and do so. Same with Zoe, of course. Uh, so shall we get to it? Uh, in the process of this chat as well, we will also be joined by Milena Gonzalez from EurovisionSpain.com for her thoughts about tonight's show, as well as Tobiek from Aftonbladet over in Sweden to give us an insight into what Cornelia's chances are to win the Eurovision Song Contest of 2022. But let's get to it, shall we? This is what happened when I sat down with Zoe London and Scott Bryan. So here we are then. It's the Eurotrip and it's the final episode before tonight's big grand final of the Eurovision Song Contest 2022. I can't believe we are here already. And in my company, I have two excellent guests. First of all, Zoe London, British DJ and all-round Eurovision extraordinaire. And of course, Scott Bryan, TV critic. Arguably, the two of you just fill up about 99% of my Twitter timeline. I think I think that's the, <laughs> the safest way to describe you both. I can only apologise. I can only apologise. I feel like you've got the two, like, memeiest people, like, out of the whole Eurovision <laughs> fandom. <laughs> There's a meme for everything between us two. <laughs> Which is certainly not a bad thing. Do you thing. have a spreadsheet, Zoe? Do you have a, well, spreadsheet a meme spreadsheet of all of... Well, we're not a meme spreadsheet, just like a spreadsheet of, like, preparation for tomorrow night. I'm sort of in- interested how you get into sort of planning the night itself. Same, same to you, James, as well. Not, not a spreadsheet as such, but I do uh, pre-plan the majority of the tweets, obviously, write them in and, and schedule them in. And I just love thinking of all the different memes that I can use to post. It's like my favourite <laughs> part is knowing that all the casual Saturday night viewers are going to be like, what is happening? It's like my favourite part of the whole thing. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one with spreadsheets because I went through national final season sort of making a spreadsheet, like a calendar of what, what shows were on when, how many songs were going to compete, how many songs we'd lose. <laughs> Oh my god, it's just ridiculous. Oh my god, I love this. This but, is amazing. <laughs> but Zoe, you've been through the heartache and the ecstasy of national final season. You've seen pretty much everything. How ready are you for tonight's grand final? I'm so ready, but also a little bit sad that it's going to be over. You know, like when you get those proper Eurovision blues, it's like like planning a wedding. After I had my wedding, I was like, what do I do with my life now? <laughs> I feel like after Saturday, I'm going to be like, what? I can't shout Jezebel anymore or, or go, hola, me, baby, baby. Like, it's not going to make any sense to anybody. So I'm like slightly <laughs> upset that it's going to be over. But yeah, I'm, uh, and also mourning the loss of all the amazing songs that were in not only the national finals, but also the semifinals. There's been so many this year. The quality has been very, very high. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster week already. Scott, are we on for another big ratings winner for the grand final, do you think? I think so, because, of course, this show has been huge, uh, not only throughout Europe, uh, 182 million, I think they said last year, which was an increase on the 2019 contest. But also it's one of the BBC's most popular shows throughout the year on um, as a sort of entertainment thing now in terms of it's not just general views, but also with its younger viewers. And I think that has played really well into how they chose this year's entry because I think they finally, the BBC finally clocked onto the fact that you can have an artist that isn't trying to be um, making a record that would um, suit Eurovision, trying to make a 
quote unquote Eurovision y song, but actually just making a banging record that would help and sell generally. I think they've clocked the fact that some other countries have got um, that you could use the competition as a way to really make a great um, artist travel really far. So much so, in a few years, many uh, of their fans might not actually realize that they were part of Eurovision. We've, we've seen the running order. We've got that, of course, now. And Zoe, should we start with... We're not going to go through every single one because I'm sure we will not have time. Oh, with please. The amount of, no. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of opinions, I was going to say, the amount of opinions you guys will have will be here until the grand finals finish. But I do want yeah, to start... <laughs> I do want to start with the Czech Republic. Uh, we are Dommy with Lights Off. They're opening the show on Saturday night. That's a fantastic open to the show, really, isn't it? It really starts with a bang. Yeah, it's a good choice. You know, I I have to say, I felt like I was a bit late to the Czech Republic kind of uh, hype train. Um, At first, I felt that it maybe was a little bit lackluster. And then when I saw them actually do it live, I was like, oh, no, actually, this very much is deserving of its place in the grand final. And considering there aren't that many like super dance kind of tracks, um, it's nice to kind of kick off with that. And I think that the viewers at home will be like, oh my God, it's Eurovision season and it's time. And I think that that's the perfect song choice to, to start the whole thing. Because it really has been the massacre of the dance tracks or the upbeat tracks. I mean, oh in the semifinals, God. I know. And I've been I'm reading gutted. so many different theories about this, why this may have been. I read a really interesting theory that said that because of Ukraine doing so incredibly well, they reckon in terms of the, the public score that then the jury scores might have factored more into it in terms of um, whether the other um, uh, uh, countries go through for their records. But I mean, I think it's it's interesting for me because I'm excited by the first part, the first set of songs, then the last end of the songs, and then there are six in the middle with the greatest respect. It's just like <laughs> ballad hour. I know. <laughs> But it's like um, like every male ballad that was in contention made it through to, to the finals. And it's just like, we very rarely have that kind of situation mm. normally. I mean, we I'm just so gutted about Latvia. Like, I'm yes. absolutely heartbroken because I just know every one of my friends that aren't in the Eurovision bubble that I've shown that to have thought that it was amazing. I just think they would have done like a kino and run away with the televote. Zoe, I think, um, I might be wrong, so correct me if I am so, but I think one song you may well be looking forward to is song number four. It's the Rasmus with Jezebel. Yes. I know you're a big <laughs> dance music fan, but of course a rock yeah. music fan as well. Is that going to get you going on Saturday night? I'm a little emo at heart. This is, <laughs> this is the thing, you know, and I, and I think a lot of people are. Um, and that kind of whole uh, old school emo scene kid thing is having a bit of a revival. So it's actually the perfect time for the Rasmus to pop back out, out of the shadows, if you will, and uh, and enter Eurovision. But I do think, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of uh, comparison to when you have one really big song. It's like Darude last year, you know. He came on and everybody went, oh my God, it's Darude. And then went, oh, but it's... It's not sandstorm and I think they might fall victim to a little bit of that I think the song is good um I thought that the vocals in semi-final two were a little bit weak which was a shame but I think the staging is cool and and I think you know I think I think they'll do well but I think a lot of people including myself are gonna be like oh my god we love Erasmus 
just so, fangirling over. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I was the other day. I was like, ah, I just love them. <laughs> Reminded me of it being like 2004 and having like an old MP3 player I used to walk to school with to in the shadows. <laughs> Scott, I know you've done a, a brilliant write-up for tonight's grand final for the New York Times. And what songs in there have you tried to point towards the audience? Which ones really stood out for you that you've been trying to trying to sell to a casual audience who may not be following the semi-finals this week. Well, th- thanks for your kind words. I mean, it, it is really interesting, I think, trying to explain the Eurovision Song Contest to an outside audience. Like, there's a section in the article where I just try to explain the jury and the televoting, and it's literally <laughs> like, my head, my head! Um, but I think the, the entries to stand out are Obviously, Ukraine and Kalish Orchestra, I think it'd be really interesting to see how well they do with the public vote versus the jury vote. Um, I also just think that there is um, so much love for Moldova's performance. Particularly, oh my God, like, I love Moldova. Just, just because I think this was a very Eurovision thing. Like you've seen bands um, like perform in this way, but I what I did not appreciate until I saw them perform in the first semi-final was the energy of their performance on stage and the fact that they all sink in time and move and dance from side to side and the mixture between the electric guitar and the old fashioned accordion, just delightful. And also how well they're placed. I think that'll be just a lovely pick me up for absolutely everybody at that point during the um, the overall thing um also um i'm just a big fan of sweden i know uh, you've been chatting about sweden a lot zoe i heard you on the bbc um you're uh, celebrating eurovision i think it's the actual brand this year and you were talking about the song i've been listening to that record on repeat all day and it's um such a warm-hearted song and of course remember sweden win Petra Amans present next year. Those are the rules. That's I don't the know whether dream. it's true. That's what I'm just telling myself when I'm going to be voting for that tomorrow. Well, given we're talking about Sweden there, and they are one of the favourites, so let's catch up with podcast regular Afton Blard. It's Toby Eck. He's been at the press centre for the past couple of weeks, and I sat down with him a little earlier today to chat more about Cornelia and her chances to win the Eurovision Song Contest tonight. So, Toby Eck, welcome back to the Eurotrip. I think it's the first time we've had you back since Malfest Monday. Yes, why haven't you had me before? I'm I'm really upset uh, <laughs> that you don't have me every week. I just think, you know, people, you know, expect you to come along so often. We thought we'll we'll put you off a little bit and make people really excited for the next time you come along. And now people are flocking to the podcast this time. I'm sure. I'm sure. Thank you for having me. I I love to be um, be on your on your podcast. Great to have you back. Let's start with looking back at Cornelia's performance in the semi-final. Can you give us a bit of an idea about how significant that performance was? Because people may have heard that the rehearsals for the semi-final didn't exactly always go to plan for Cornelia. Yeah, during most of her rehearsals, the sound has been off um there has been somebody stumbling on the on the on the, the cord for a microphone uh she hasn't been able to hear her her music so she hasn't known what uh, what to sing uh so uh, it has been kind of frustrating so so having uh, a performance like last night uh that's such a relief uh for her for the swedish team uh, uh and it, it was really uh, more or less everything everything was as perfect as it could be 
if we take in consideration how the Italian production has not really done a very good job with anyone down here. There must have been a massive sigh of relief on Thursday night. First of all, when she qualified, of course, we, we, we thought that was a dead cert anyway. But then when she gets into the press conference and she has to draw which half she's going to be in in the final, when she picks out that piece of paper that says second half, everybody must have just been wiping their brow thinking, phew, we've got the half we really wanted. As uh, the Swedish team entered the press conference hall, uh, three of them separately came up to me asking, how many slots are left in first and half and second half because we we haven't kept track please let us know how many how many slots are left because they were all so concerned and and for us uh, um, my reply was that oh there is probably one slot left in first half they were like okay okay let's let's just keep our fingers crossed uh, uh, so so uh, they were all hoping for a second second half of course and cheered loudly as she draw that <laughs> and then since then of course we've got the full running order sweden and cornelia yeah. is going to be 20th in the running order straight after moldova which is obviously very high energy a bit quirky definitely going to catch the imagination and then following her is australia so what do you think that does for for cornelia's chances right between those two I've tried to analyze that, but also what's what comes after Australia with um, it's it's Poland, UK, uh, Serbia, and having Australia, Poland, uh, and and UK in a row with three really really strong male vocalists. I I don't know. I don't know what the Eurovision, uh, how the EBU and and the production team has thought about this. It might be good for Cornelia that she is the female vocalist at that uh, in, in that section. Um, it might be good for Sam Ryder uh, that he comes after two short male strong uh, uh, strong singers, but also ballads where he has the upbeat song uh, and a little bit more of a quirky uh, quirkiness and, and, and fun to it. Um, it's just I, I don't know. Can you tell me what will ha what what <laughs> impact will this running water have? I've got no idea. Why are you asking me? I'm trying to find out I, the answers from you. Neither of I us know, know, do we? I know. No, no, we don't. But but I I think that that uh, she'll do she'll do well. That it, it, it's a it's an it's an okay position, uh, and it's good that she will stand out after Moldova, and ahead of of Sheldon Riley from Australia. What do you think it would mean if Sweden managed to pull off yet another win? I think a lot of people at the moment are thinking it's Ukraine's to lose at this point just because of the significance of what it would mean. But if Sweden managed to do it yet again, a seventh victory, what would that mean back home in Sweden? First of all, I think that would Cornelia win, I think a lot of European fans would be furious because it would be stealing Ukraine's victory. Uh, and I think that uh, whoever, if anyone wins ahead of Ukraine, there will be a massive downside to that from people saying that Ukraine deserved this, you didn't deserve this. And especially if that particular victory is due to juries and not to uh, the televotes. In Sweden, would, would, would Cornelia win? We would, of course, celebrate for weeks. Uh, finally, a seventh victory that we have been fighting, uh, 
fighting and striving for, uh, showing that that Sweden is uh, um, a Eurovision power country. Uh, and um, I also think that Cornelia would deserve it because her performance is absolutely amazing and the song is so strong. But if it was first place, and keep your answer brief, because we can talk about this in months ahead of time, I'm sure, if it does happen. Gothenburg, Stockholm, Malmö, what do you think? Gothenburg is out. Uh, and and this, I, I, I can say that's, uh, I can't say this in, enough times, but the arena in Gothenburg cannot meet the Eurovision requirements. Uh, the ceiling is too low and it can't take the weight of the Eurovision stage. So you can count Gothenburg out of every speculation. Okay, well, was there we go. Was that brief enough? That was, was brief, that brief enough. enough. That, yes. Of course it was, of course. And finally, Toby, we all know by now just how much of a busy man you are and how little sleep you get. So what is Saturday night going to look like for you? Where are you going to be watching and what time do you think you're going to get to bed? Uh, I will follow uh, um, the show from, from the press centre, as always. Uh, I will um, do a bit of live blogging. Uh, then I will try to do both uh, meet Cornelia straight after and do the Witness Press Conference. And if Cornelia does well, I'm sure that the Swedish delegation will have a little bit of an after party. So I will attend that, not as a partier, uh, party goer, but as a journalist to cover it as well, to report on it. Uh, and then uh, hopefully I'm in bed by 5 a.m. or perhaps 6 a.m. after finishing work. And then I will have to wake up really early on Sunday to do our own pod podcast as well. So um, that's my Saturday for you. You are a workaholic. You can't stop yourself, can you, Toby? <laughs> nope. Oh, awesome. Toby, thank you so much for joining us yet again. It's great to have you back. And I was going to say, wish you the best of luck for Saturday night. People always wish the artists luck, but I hope you have a really enjoyable night for the final. Thank you so much. Great to speak to Toby Eck again here on the Eurotrip. We're back again with Zoe London and Scott Bryan. Uh, which one to go to? Zoe, let's go to you again. Do you want to pick out another one of the songs that you're really looking forward to seeing in the grand final tonight? Oh my gosh, that's like choosing from all my favourite children. Like, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go in with, okay, it might be an obvious choice, but I do really like Norway. Like, I wake up with it in my head and I have done since February. Like, <laughs> it's really catchy. And uh, my two little nephews, they're five and seven, they're obsessed with it. And I think that for the very casual viewer that's just going to turn it on a Saturday night, I think that their kids, you know, young people old people they're gonna just love it um it's very polished it's very cool and i like that they're playing the game you know i saw them with their viral clip ticks taking the helmet off oh was it ticks underneath <laughs> like they know what they're doing they're very smart and i love a bit of that drama i'm like oh what's the tea so I still was at a press conference where they have to get someone else speak on behalf of them oh my god i love it and it was at the press conference was asking them about the food on the moon or something <laughs> and they responded deadpan deadpan <laughs> and it's like i've seen some surreal press conferences in my time like probably the weirdest being monoskin directly after they won Eurovision last <laughs> <Yes>. year <laughs> but this is, comes close in terms of the surrealness of it just because they never broke character i was chatting to stig carlson he's the head of delegation in norway and sort of the producer of all their coverage and i was asking about it and he said What's it like to have all this attention of people wanting to know who's behind the mask? He said, you know, it's different. It's great. Not even I know who's behind it. Yes, you do. Yeah, Somebody you knows. Do. You <laughs> definitely know. Because it's not the mask singer, for God's does. sake. Like, 
Uh, Zoe, we've seen uh, Subwoofer go through Melody Grand Prix in Norway over the last few months of the, the attention get bigger and bigger. Uh, Scott, do you think it's going to translate well to a, a casual viewing audience? Because I think what a lot of Eurovision fans don't want people to think is that this is a joke entry. Because it's not, because it's a genuinely good song with a really polished performance. Mm, I think that will that, be the real test on the night. I think, for example, when I did a clip of just a bit of their performance with the lyrics, it's quite interesting to see people who are not following Eurovision respond and most of them were along the lines of what the hell is this <laughs> so like that's that's the challenge because of the way that they are dressed as and also the lyrics of their performance could be so left field i worry that people will just go oh they are just taking the mick here and 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 that's the right and then but at the same time I still think that in an age in which you've got 26 performances, uh, 25 performances this year, so quickly one after the other, you still need something to stand out. So it could go either way. Either people see it as the joke act or people will actually value it for standing out in the whole world of ballads. So mm. it'll, yet again, I really don't know. It might really work. I think certainly, like uh, Zoe, when you were talking about um, younger viewers and the influence that has on younger viewers, I think that would definitely um, help to their um, ad advantage. But this is what I love about Eurovision. There's so much planning and foresight and, and, and ideas and some stick and some absolutely don't. Shall we talk about this year's home entry? Uh, Mahmoud and Blanco, of course, for Italy with Brevity. And then the way it sort of, we get this really weird gear change in the running order because then we go into Spain and Chanel with slow-mo. Yes. Zoe, <laughs> those two entries couldn't be more polarising, could they? I know. I was quite surprised when I saw that they'd done that. I just love Mahmoud so much. Like, I know, obviously, Duncan was amazing and I'm not mad that he won, but I still... I just feel like he really could have won it that year uh, with Soldi. And I listen to that track all the time. Um, and I'm so glad that he's back. I think the song is is beautiful. But yeah, it's definitely going to be a bit of whiplash when it then goes straight into Chanel. Just be like, oh, what happened? <laughs> um, but how exciting is it that all of the big five this year really did not come to play? I mean, like, I can't think of another time when like every single one of the songs has been really strong and been that exciting. And um, yeah, I love that they've just put the two of them together. <laughs> Why not? But I've got a question for both of you. Does, does because they're quite early on in the competition, do bands or countries at that point tend to do really quite well? Because I tend to think it's more around the, the business end, quote unquote, is more towards like 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Because that's when the most viewers are in, but that's when you're most suited for it. Mm. I thought that Italy could have, and um, still may have, a really good chance of winning. But when I saw them and was at number nine, yeah. I was mm. thinking, oh, that, that's early. That's early for that song. And it might just get forgotten, particularly when it's then followed by a lot of other songs by, you know, similar in style in terms of being a ballad. Yeah, I think the theme recently, hasn't it? Especially in the last decade or so, the the later you come is gives you a better chance. But I think Mons was quite early back in 2015. I think he was around the ninth place. There'll be people tweeting me now saying, no, he wasn't ninth, he was later. <laughs> <laughs> but there's definitely and we been, thank you for your service. As yeah, well. there's definitely <laughs> been a few winners recently where they have been a bit earlier than expected and went into the yeah. competition as, uh, as pre-competition favourites, Zoe. 
Yeah, 100%. I think um, it's just so wildly unpredictable these days. I feel like back in the day, we used to be able to predict these things so much easier. But now, I mean, especially given the results of both these semifinals this year, I mean, it just could go anyway. They could still be in with a running chance. But I do I do agree with you, Scott. I think the position that Italy have, have found themselves in is unfortunately going to make them place later um, just because there are so many songs like it. I mean, isn't the Netherlands then straight after Spain as well? And that's very like that mm. slow, but also quite cool. And then, yeah, I think I think it might get forgotten, which is a shame because... I love my mates so much. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, a quick word from you on, on Spain, Chanel and slow-mo, of course. That is just such high energy and is really going to appeal to some specific areas of the audience, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes! Um, I, I think it's just one of those performances where they know exactly what they're doing. I think it's also they've like, played, paid attention to every single second. I think I, it reminds me actually of Iceland's entry last year of the fact that every kind of camera angle and every part of a song is well thought through. So when the viewers get a bit bored, I think they know it, it goes in a different direction. So I think that they've got a really good chance and like, you know, it's distinctive, it's upbeat. So, so, so I think that will, that will work for them. Um, I just, yet again, one of those performances on the semi-finals, I was, not some semi-finals, one of the performances that I saw teased as a video clip because mm. how it works, <laughs> um, got to be very excited for it. So yes, that is one of my favourites too. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement for Chanel in tonight's grand final. And given we're talking about Spain, let's hear from another one of our podcast favourites, uh, Milena Gonzalez from EurovisionSpain.com. Here's what she had to say when we spoke to her earlier on about Chanel's chances in tonight's grand final. Hi, thank you for coming to me again. Uh, regarding Chanel, uh, finally we have a good entry with a good staging and I'm sure we'll end up having a good result. I'm not sure if we'll end up winning. If so, I'll be very happy, but I'm not sure. But finally, I'm sure we'll have a good result that we have been deserving for so many years. Thanks to Milena Gonzalez for uh, joining us for a quick chat about what she thinks about tonight's grand final. Zoe and Scott are still with me to preview the rest of the action. Uh, Zoe, again, do you want to choose another one of the competing entries in tonight's final? Yeah, I think um, I'm going to stick along the big five theme and talk about France, because obviously France did really well last year um, and they clearly came back with a bang. Actually, loads of the songs in their uh, national final selection were all good and all ready for Eurovision. Um, but they went with Alvin and is it Ahez? I don't want to try and say it wrong. I'm really <laughs> sorry, any French people. Um, but the song is so cool. I mean, it really stands out because it's like, it's a little bit sort of uh, techno dance. Uh, so it has that kind of go a slight vibe about it, but then it's really unique in the sense that I just haven't heard any dance music like it before. Um, and I just think it's really cool. I think it could stand out in a really good way on the night. It's quite early on. So um, it might get a bit lost by some of the other upbeat ones that are a little bit later. Um, but uh, I saw it at the London Eurovision party and for me it really stood out amongst the other performers as just being something really cool and different. Were the French act on your radar, Scott? Not really. I feel bad. But then again, you know, our brains are so limited in how much it can withhold songs 
playing in a European <laughs> singing competition when I'm 40 over the course of a week. I really do like Sheldon Riley's performance. I think it's incredibly personal. I think it's incredibly well performed. The staging of it is one of those stages in which I wonder how on earth they're able to form it in 20 seconds in the same case of how they did it for Spaceman for the UK's entry because like 25 seconds in terms of that's why I love I can't wait for tonight when they show the YouTube video that someone will inevitably upload of how it gets changed from behind the scenes, like how they drag everything out and everything in, um, in in a very short space of time. Because that for me is just as interesting as the actual <laughs> performance. But his, uh, I think, performance is, is going to stand out for me. But actually, speaking of performances, one of my favourite ever trans like transitions was when they had, I'm, I'm always really bad on names of bands, was when they had the Australian entry for maybe 2018, 2017, of those three performers on that really tall pole. Oh, yeah. And, Kate um, Miller High. Yes, Kate Miller, oh, yeah. Unbelievably amazing performance. But how they managed to just like drag in the pole directly <laughs> behind them, literally like with a hook and got them into place to perform it. And then they would do their three minutes of, of performance. And then along comes a hook, hook, hook again. And we just drag them back out again <laughs> for the next performance. Wonderful. Absolutely you know, wonderful. You um, know what it makes me think of? You know when they do the Super Bowl halftime show and uh, they have like 30 seconds to get the whole stage in and then off again. Like I would watch, I think they made a documentary about that on YouTube and I would watch that for Eurovision because I think yeah. it's amazing how fast they turn it around. And the stress, the stress of yeah, it as well. Yeah, couldn't do it. Couldn't be me. Yeah. <laughs> we are fast running out of time, but I do want to quickly cover off one country before we do final predictions. And that is, of course, the United Kingdom. Scott, I know you've, briefly, I know you've briefly mentioned them already. <laughs> so let, let's have one minute each to just try and sum up what you think about Sam Ryder and Spaceman and the whole change of the UK's attitude this year. Zoe, you go first. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, well, I think like major kudos to the BBC because they listened, you know, they've uh, picked an act that is very popular on TikTok um, and I think could be the breakout star of this year in that sort of Mona Skin sense of breaking America, doing really well afterwards, going on to play lots of festivals and, and big events. Um, I think that could be Sam. He's very likable. His songs are very good. Like we spoke about earlier, this is just a song that he wrote. He didn't write this for Eurovision specifically. And I think that does come across. Um, I think they've listened in terms of staging, costume, everything is an improvement. And I know that right now, I think we're sitting second in the odds right now, which is just crazy. Reminds me of being a kid and watching it uh, <laughs> back when it was Katrina and the waves and that, being like, oh my God, this is so exciting. Um, whether we'll come that high, I don't know. Whether we'll win, I don't know. But even the, the steps that they've already taken are already so much better. And when you look at like Sweden, Italy, France, even all those ones that are going on this journey to then winning or coming close to winning, it's never an overnight thing. You know, Sweden, it took them a long time to turn that around before they did win. And um, I think that hopefully we're on that path. I think you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, I, I echo Zoe, you completely. Because because I, I, I think like, it's quite rare, I think, for somebody to go, yeah, you know what? Last year we really botched up and we actually are going to listen and do something about it. And I think the fact that um, you normally sometimes get with um, really any entry from any country, a great song, but on the performance, 
it just doesn't match because it doesn't suit the environment. The staging isn't right. I think I was so blown away by how much emphasis there is in the actual performance rather than just the song. Like it, like the song when it's been performed is even better than actually hearing it as the records. And I think like his vocals are fantastic. His enthusiasm is fantastic. So I think like all the stars are aligned quite well. But that's the thing about Eurovision. That's the thing about you. I know, I know. Is what I'm going to say. Because <laughs> there's been some big bets saying, we're going to win. We're sure of it now. And it would be wonderful, obviously, 25 years on from Katrina on the waves to win again and bring it home. But I think that um, we're just like, there's so many different factors in play. Like, I'm so excited for this year because uh, although there are some favourites, obviously, I've never known a finale to be so wide open. It could really be down to, like, obviously events beyond Eurovision playing a factor, but also just down to music trends, other countries playing it seriously, and just just seeing where that goes will be fascinating to see on 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 the night tonight itself. I think that brings us nicely on to overall predictions. Zoe, go on, give me your top three, and I'll be nice. You can say. In any order, in no specific okay. order, give me a top <laughs> Okay, that's good. Um, I I think Sweden for sure. Um, oh, I do think Ukraine. Yeah, um, I think it. I think Ukraine winning will depend on the jury vote. Sorry about my dog. Um, <laughs> my dog. My dog agreed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and oh, I just don't want to jinx it, but I do really want to save the United Kingdom. Is wow. it bad that my predictions are exactly the same as yours? Yes, that's, no, that's my top good. three too. <laughs> that, that, that is my top three too. So yes. we've now we've now well and truly doomed our chances. That's I was going to no. say, <laughs> if it makes you two feel any better, my predictions are exactly the same as yours. No, yes. yeah, absolutely. In no particular order: Ukraine, the UK, and Sweden. I just don't see anybody else getting in the top three. I really don't. And I just genuinely think that anyone, any one of those three, could win. I think it just depends. I feel like we saw a little bit of this last year. You know, everybody was like, oh, it's going to be Malta. It's definitely going to be Malta. And then on the night, Europe just decided it was going to be Italy. And I think that that's, uh, that's what's going to happen tonight. Which I think is... uh, it's going to be a very stressful <laughs> which is the exact reason we all love the Eurovision Song Contest. We've got a yes. fantastic show lined up for us tonight. The big grand final, of course, of the Eurovision Song Contest starts at 8pm UK time, 9pm over in Europe. And we've got a great one to look forward to. So a big thanks to Zoe London and Scott Bryan for joining me to try and figure out what on earth is going to happen tonight. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. <laughs> Thank you Thank so much. You. One quick question before we go. It's my favourite game I always play each year. How long will the telecast overrun by? I think it's scheduled I'm gonna to be guess... 3.45. That's how long it's meant to be, 3 hours 45. Yeah. I think yeah, it'll probably be about 4 hours 5 minutes. Yeah. I'm gonna, I, I reckon 4 hours 15 genuinely genuinely that, because you've seen san remo right yeah exactly. <laughs> i know i think they're gonna break the record because it's israel at the moment with the record right yeah i think yeah. they're gonna break the record because i've seen san remo before and that goes on for too long so i think <laughs> it's gonna go on for too long <laughs> i think for me yeah i'm similar the fact that the semi-finals overran a bit made me go yeah. okay well the <laughs> yeah. semi-finals are long so we're gonna have to wait and see i i'm predicting somewhere in the middle about you know maybe 420 sure oh my goodness goodness good wow. luck everybody <laughs> <laughs> this is the euro trip
When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So this is the Eurotrip, and this is the last time you'll hear from us until after the grand final of Eurovision 2022. And honestly, devastated that I wasn't part of that round table between you and Zoe and Scott, because... That was fascinating. It's exactly the sort of chat you want to have, like down the pub, but you never get to have because you can never assemble that many Eurovision nerds in one place. So <laughs> it's so good to hear their thoughts on everything that's going to happen this evening. Yeah, I think it was just great to have them two along because the no Eurovision inside out. It's like us two, Rob, but it's just great to get some new voices on the podcast to have a bit more of a in-depth Eurovision discussion. And I think they gave us some great pointers for tonight's show and maybe something that you didn't know already to keep an eye out for when you're going to settle down and watch tonight's show and uh, as Rob asked before what are you doing for the show tonight have you got some friends around are you actually in Turin listening to warm yourself up for the show or are you just going to watch by yourself because you hate it when you invite friends around I know this feeling very well when you invite your friends around and they talk over the songs you're like no I want to hear them so let us know what you're going to do uh, for the grand final tonight we are at Eurotrip podcast on twitter and instagram hello eurotrippodcast.com on the email i know a lot of people say this but i promise you we read every single message we get so it would be great to hear from you very quickly because we've not done it yet your prediction for the win and your surprise result of the evening well, as we were chatting with Scott and Zoe there, I think in no particular order, uh, it'll be Ukraine, the UK and Sweden in, in the In no three. particular order? You can't do that. Uh, I got away with it with those guys before. I'm going to get away with it now. I set the rules here. And a surprise result. I, what class is a su- surprise result? I really don't know. Maybe uh, I'm going to say Portugal is going to squeak into the top 10. Okay, yeah, I agree with you. I think Ukraine are going to win it, I think. Sweden are going to come second. I reckon Spain are going to sneak in with a cheeky third place. Uh, Italy and the UK rounding rounding out the top five. And then my surprise result, honestly, I think Serbia might come something like sixth. Honestly, I don't get it myself. I don't know a lot (laughs) of you out there love it. Yeah, maybe you can let us know your predictions as well. Maybe you've got a wild theory about the results tonight. So do get in touch, as I say, and let us know what you're planning to do and what you think might happen. But that is it from the Eurotrip, previewing everything for the Eurovision Song Contest of 2022. I said it at the start, I'll say it again. I can't believe we've finally got to this point after so much coverage from us and so much happening in the world of the Eurovision Song Contest over the last few weeks and months. It's been one hell of a ride, and you, Rob, are the perfect person to have done it all with. Oh, thank you very much. I thought you were going to say it's been a hell of a ride, and you were just talking about this week, let alone alone this year's Eurovision Song Contest. But no, absolutely, it has been brilliant, and I do love doing these episodes with you every single week, and I love hearing your messages, and yeah, it's just lovely to be here. I know you're out there listening, so thank you for being there. But we should leave you to the rest of your day because I'm sure you've got a lot to do. I bet. I bet you do. So let me do this one more time. Until we join you again, make sure you keep in touch with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email and you can read all of our exclusive stories on EurotripPodcast.com. And in the meantime, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, and for the final time this week, It's goodbye. And from me, Rob, and for the final time before the final, we'll see you on Wednesday. Goodbye.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.